I am hosting a retreat in Tulum, Mexico, in paradise this October called Bloom in Tulum. It's a five-day, all-inclusive, personal and professional growth retreat for ambitious, big-hearted women who are ready to step into their power with grace, support, and confidence. So my two biz besties and I dreamed up this magical retreat over sushi a few months back, and after lots of planning, it's actually happening. We have mapped out a thoughtful itinerary with lots of downtime to make the most of this beautiful paradise beachside location and also set you up for a powerful and memorable experience of growth. There's only 20 spots available and all three of us are promoting it to our full community. So that's like over 50,000 people. So I imagine the spots will fill very quickly. If you are interested in joining us in Bloom and Tulum, go to bloomintulum.com for all the details and to complete your application. Also know that early bird pricing ends on June 30th. So it's a really good time to secure your spot and save some money. I mean, honestly, like how fun would it be to hang out in person at a gorgeous, luxurious, all-inclusive in October? So head to Bloom in Tulum. That's B-L-O-O-M in Tulum. T-U-L-U-M. Bloomintulum.com for all the details and complete your application. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 261. Today, we're talking about how to be less reactive with our kids. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confidence kids. Welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast, dear listener. I am so glad to be connecting with you. Welcome, welcome if you are a new listener. And if you are listening in real time in January 2021, you know, I just want to say this is an incredibly hard time. I talked to some people and they're so excited because people are getting their vaccine, family members are getting their vaccine, and other people have loved ones who are in the ICU and dying. So there's so much happening. But I believe, you know, so I just want to acknowledge that you might have a lot happening for you. And so I hear you, you know, I see you. This is a hard time. And I hope that we have a lot to be hopeful for, right? And so when these times are crazy, I like to focus on the places I do have a sphere of influence. And I know, definitely know it's with my family. And I know that when I'm in autopilot mode or I'm reactive, that's kind of when I'm at my worst at parenting. I don't know about you. Is that true? You know, we miss our chances to connect. So today is a very special solo episode about how to become less reactive. You're going to learn about how mindfulness works to lower reactivity and how to bring it right into your life. And before we dive in, I just want to say that we had an amazing Fresh Start Mindful Parenting live series of four lessons that I went Facebook Live on. And so if you want to hear about these offerings that we may not have a chance to talk about on the podcast, make sure you are signed up for my mailing list at mindfulmamamentor.com. And then we'll be able to connect even more. It'll be even better. All right, so let's dive right in to this episode. 
Okay, so I want to start off this episode on how to be less reactive by inviting you to just imagine something, okay? (laughs) So if you're able to, if you're not driving or walking, close your eyes and take a deep breath. (sighs) And I want you to just imagine that it's 8 a.m., You have a full day ahead of you, and your children have to be at school at 8.15. And the principal has already sent a warning that your child has been late too often. And your child's taking a lot of time changing clothes again, and they haven't brushed their teeth yet. And you say, honey, hurry up, or we'll be late. You call out several times, but your child does not come down. You finally walk into their room to see what's going on and your child throws himself on the floor screaming, I'm not going to school. <sighs> Ugh, right? Like, what do you think as you read this scenario? What do, you, what do you feel in your body? You know, for me, I can feel my pulse rising. It's like my, my blood is starting to heat up. My jaw feels tight. I feel, can feel like Ah, oh, underneath this like reactivity, right? This feeling of helplessness, anxiety, and frustration, all that stuff comes up. You know, I get impatient, kind of ranting thoughts that in my head and, you know, that, that inner voice that's like, why is she doing this today? What's going on? You know, all that stuff. And, you know, it's incredibly difficult situation. And here's the important part. All these reactions just happen by themselves where we aren't choosing to turn on these frustrated thoughts, the feelings, the helpless feelings, or the psychological and physiological stress reaction. We're not choosing any of that, right? We are reacting on those moments just on automatic pilot and our stress is running the show. It's dictating our reaction. And that's when the words just fly out and our autopilot script is like on replay and it's basically the same language that your, you know, our own parents may have used in those situations. So these are the moments we're kind of like at our worst in our parenting when we're stressed and reactive. And so that is what we are talking about today, how to be less reactive. And I'm going to talk to you about the long-term goal tools that we need to be less reactive, um, how to get off autopilot. Um, We're going to talk about how mindfulness lowers reactivity. We're going to talk about some of the changes in the brain and exactly how to do it today. And then we're going to talk about how to bring this into our daily life more and more. So hang in there all the way to the end because we're also going to talk about how to create intentions in our morning and what I do, some of the practices I do. And we're going to talk about some things that can make us happier even along with all this lowering of reactivity. So I have a lot to, a lot to share with you today. But first, let's take a deep breath in and let out a big sigh. <sighs> Another deep breath in big sigh. (sighs) Letting go of that, that stressful story I told you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So we can use, use our body. And that's a a tool that I use a lot. And we talk about also in mindful parenting a lot is the sigh breath. It's a really great tool to uh, lower our stress response in, in the moment. (laughs) 
<laughs> so there you go. There's your first one. So today we're going to talk about how mindfulness helps to lower our reactivity. And we're going to be talking about the long-term game, right? We're going to be talking about how to build that muscle of lowered reactivity over time and for how to stop yelling and like head off those uh, difficulties right in the moment. You can go to Mindful Mama Mentor for more detailed information about how to stop yelling in the moment. But this episode is about you getting off that autopilot script and lowering your reactivity in the long term. And so you've heard me talk about it before. If you've listened to the podcast, mindfulness meditation is like this superpower that we need. It's a, this, it's honestly, it's like this stealth tool that anybody can use that has no negative side effects at all that can make all the difference in calming down your reactivity. What is mindfulness? You know, my favorite definition comes from John Kabat-Zinn. He's a scientist, author, and meditation teacher who has been really influential in bringing mindfulness into the mainstream of medicine and Western society. And he says that mindfulness is the awareness that arises through paying attention on purpose in the present moment, non-judgmentally. So that means we're intentionally putting our attention in something in the present moment. Oftentimes it's the breath, but it can be other things with an attitude of kindness and curiosity. That's how I like to say that non-judgmentally part with curiosity. And meditation is a way to practice mindfulness. And, and meditation can mean many, many different things to many different people. There are many different kinds of meditation. But for our purposes here, I'll define it as the practice of training the mind to become less reactive and more present. So mindfulness meditation is just intentionally training our attention to be in the present moment, non-reactive. So we, we hang out with, and stuff comes up, life happens, feelings, sensations, thoughts happen. We, stay, we practice to stay non-reactive with this sense of non-judgmental curiosity. So basically mindfulness is kind of the quality that we're aiming for. And mindfulness meditation is the tool for building that quality in ourselves. Does that make sense? Got it? All right. So, you know, let's go back to that moment with our kids. And the truth is, the honest truth is, is that we spend most of our time with our children on automatic pilot mode. Our minds are fixed on accomplishing goals, solving problems, we're planning dinner, we're strategizing the day ahead or the next day. And I am a lot too. I'm not a fully enlightened brain yet, right? Like This is just part of the human brain. I'm not saying this to be blameful, but to just shine a light on what's true for us. So in everyday moments with our kids, me too, we're distracted by thoughts of the future, like planning, you know, planning dinner when your child is telling you about their day. And when we're in that automatic doing, achieving, planning mode, our minds are elsewhere and we're actually not really in the present moment with our child. Our body and mind are not together. We're not in that present moment with our child. And if we're not fully present with our children, we're missing the chance to attune with their cues about what's happening for them under the surface. 
we might miss a signal that our child needs a hug or help instead of more direction in this moment. You know, we, they, they come to us, they, there's something going on, and oftentimes we're just going and doing, so we're not really kind of seeing that, what's, go, what's really happening for them. We are sponsored by Midi Health. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, vaginal dryness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. All of these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around perimenopause and menopause, and the experts at Midi Health understand what you're experiencing and how to help. Midi clinicians are menopause experts dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions. MidiCare is covered by insurance, and with Midi Health, you can stop pushing through it all alone. Schedule a virtual visit to discuss your symptoms and health background in depth. You'll come out of the experience feeling heard and with a plan to start feeling better. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Joinmidi.com. We are supported by Melon Headwear. These hats are perfect for Father's Day. They are built to be in and around water. They last five times longer than any other hat. They're naturally antimicrobial properties. It doesn't, sweat doesn't break down the hat. No sweat stains, no smell ever. It's built for the water. We tested it tubing on the Brandywine River and it was fabulous. It even floats when it drops in the water. It doesn't lose shape. It is amazing. An incredible, comfortable fit. Use code MINDFUL at checkout for 30% off your order. If you're trying to figure out a Father's Day gift, honestly, trust me, this is exactly what they want. Go to melon.com, that's M-E-L-I-N.com, and use the code MINDFUL at checkout for 30% off. Melon rarely offers discounts, so don't miss this opportunity. It is, I swear, the perfect Father's Day gift. Premium headwear, melon.com. Use the code mindful for 30% off. Without mindfulness practice in our lives, we're often making an unskillful choice in that moment, or we're even becoming completely overrun by that stress response, that powerful stress response. And then instead of offering your child the thoughtful, empathetic response that actually might be beneficial in that moment, you're triggered and reactive. For me, this was always my problem and difficulty with what parenting coaches had to teach when I was really struggling because a lot of the advice is often just say this or just respond this way. And the truth is that we literally can't access those parts of the brain and we're, you know, offer our child those kind of responses when we're triggered and reactive. So this is really, really the foundational work that has to come first so that we can have those thoughtful responses. As we start to practice mindfulness, bringing our attention into the present moment with kindness and curiosity, then we can bring that awareness, kindness, and curiosity to our children, and we bypass a whole host of problems that arise with distraction. So mindfulness really helps us to lower our reactivity, and there's a whole bunch of research about this 
The research shows that mindfulness helps us with impulse control, helps to lower our anxiety, lower our depression, increases awareness, increases clear thinking. And what they've done, I've talked about the brain scans before, which are so fascinating. It it really helps us to, you know, we have that stress response and that's, uh, there's uh, the, the amygdala are these two little almond-shaped clusters in the base of your brainstem. They're kind of like the alarm bells of the brain that make us reactive. That stress response is preparing us to respond to a threat. So our heart rate increases, our muscles get tight, all those things. And we literally can't access our full brain, including prefrontal cortex, higher order thinking skills when that, that stress response is happening, when the amygdala are clanging that alarm bell. And it's amazing that the research shows, the MRI scans show that an eight-week practice of mindfulness actually shrinks the gray matter in the amygdala into that, in that uh, stress response center of the brain. And it actually grows more dense, the gray matter in the prefrontal cortex. And so that is the area that's, you know, the brain is a very complex and interconnected thing, but the prefrontal cortex is that area associated with like our higher order thinking, problem solving, empathy, verbal ability, all of that stuff that we need to be able to respond with kindness and curiosity and that beneficial response. So like I said, the research shows that mindfulness helps us with impulse control. And I really think that what it's really doing is that we're practicing being non-reactive. You know, as we sit in meditation, which we can, we're going to talk about more, you sit and your stuff comes up, your anxieties come up, your thoughts come up, and you practice to not, to just not do, to stay still as all of these things arise. And so the, it's really building a muscle of non-reactivity. And this is really, really key. You may ask, like, what is this doing? But it really is a key. It gives us this space as we practice this non-reactive muscle. It gives us this space to then choose. You know, there's that quote from Viktor Frankl, who is the Holocaust survivor, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning. He said that between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and freedom. And that is really true. And that is what mindfulness gives us. And it literally changes the brain and all of those things. It's pretty amazing. And there's no negative side effects, right? So how do we practice? How do you do it? Well, what it is simply is like, and you can practice right now. You deliberately focus your attention on what is happening in the here and now. You're aiming to be more attentive to the present moment rather than distracted. You're not trying to stop thoughts or clear your mind, none of that. You're just practicing to notice what's going on moment to moment within you and around you with kindness and curiosity. So let's think about how, how do we do that, right? So I'll, I'll give you kind of a four-step process. <laughs> okay, so the first step, I just want you to set your intention to be present, right? Remember that mindfulness is the awareness that rises through paying attention on purpose, right? On purpose in the present moment. So the first step then is to choose to practice to be present. So you could be nursing a baby, right? And you could be nursing a baby and just kind of hanging out and, you know, maybe looking at the phone, your mind wandering, whatever. 
you may sometimes be present and sometimes be distracted, but there's no choice, right? To, to, there's no intention set to be present. That's a real difference between like setting a timer for five minutes and saying, I'm gonna use this five minutes to intentionally practice mindfulness to be present and non-judgmentally, right? So those, it's that, that intention really matters. So you have to choose to practice to be present. If you're home with your child, you can decide to intentionally practice presence. So you put the phone on silent. You set aside your to-do list. You give yourself over to nothing else to do except back practicing being present. And I really do think it's helpful to set a timer to give yourself 10 minutes, decide, or five minutes or whatever, three minutes, decide that for those minutes you practice, you're going to give your full attention to what is happening in this moment with yourself and your child. And so we can talk about how to put your attention, place your attention, but the real, the idea with this first step is to simply to decide to set your intention to be present. Okay, so then you set your intention, you wanna be present, you're either there with your child or you're practicing to build that muscle on your own in a, a non-distracting setting. Your next step is then to really focus your attention. Okay, so if you are deciding to be present with your child, then you're essentially doing a paying attention to my child meditation, which is super cool, right? So then your child is the anchor for your attention. So essentially, you'll attempt to place your attention on your child with an attitude of kindness and curiosity. And this curiosity and kindness piece is really, really important. Allow yourself to see your child as if you were an alien beam down into the space. Be curious about their body, their learning, their actions. Wonder what their needs are that are driving their choices. Notice the fuzz on their earlobe. Notice the shape of their hands. Be curious about what they are curious about. If you're focusing your attention and practicing maybe first thing in the morning before your child wakes up, Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> 
Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, wherever you listen to podcasts. You may set a timer for five minutes. You may use a guided meditation. I've got some on my resources page page at mindfulmamamentor.com, five-minute guided meditation. You may choose like uh, the sensation of feeling your breath or the sensation of sitting in your chair to notice. So we can practice that right now. So if you can, if you're able to, close your eyes for a moment and feel right below your nostrils and feel the air come in your nostrils. Feel what it feels like. And then feel the air come out. And again, feel the air come in. And feel the air come out. And then feel your breath in your belly and your chest and just be curious. What does it feel like as you inhale? And as you exhale, what does it feel like? Like you're an alien beam down into your body. What does it feel like? Now, for some of us, focusing on the breath is not that supportive to our like calm or peace. So maybe you can feel like uh, your hands. The, your, the, maybe you can feel what your hands are. T- you feel the sense of touch. You might feel warmth or coolness. I feel some tingling or pulsing or throbbing as if you were an alien beam down into your body. What do your hands feel like? Or even your bottom on the seat if you're sitting. So these are, these are anchors in the present moment. And so it could be your child we talked about. It could be your breath. It could be your hands. And you're bringing curiosity to this moment. And that is the step of step two, focusing your attention. So you take a moment to focus your attention. All right, you with me? Good. Let's move to step three. And step three is to notice your distraction. So if you're human, a normal human being, as soon as you attempt to place your attention 100% fully on a single anchor, right? Your, your, your child, your breath, you're going to find out that you will fail. Your mind will wander into thoughts of the future, thoughts of the past, critical thoughts. You know, look, she's dragged that chair into the mud when I told her not to, um, blah, 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 judgments, all this stuff and more. That's going to happen whether your, your anchor of attention is your child or if you're totally by yourself, that you will you're you're going to put your attention on your anchor and then your mind will will wander and that's not a problem okay this is not a problem it's just normal the mind thinks like the ears hear and we're not going to stop that but what we're doing is instead like putting your attention back on the anchor okay so the thoughts are not a problem they are in fact an opportunity actually they are the opportunity to notice that you're distracted 
And with kindness and without judging yourself, you're returning your attention back to that anchor in the present moment. You know, and if you were like a weightlifter, maybe you are. I'd do some body pumps. So this is when you're you're pulling that barbell up again, (laughs) right? And just like lifting a weight, it's not lifting weights. It's not like a one and done thing. And that's why we call it a practice. And so your practice is just to notice your distraction with kindness and curiosity Bring your attention back to the present moment. No need for self-judgment or recrimination. We all, every single one of us, fail at 100% full concentration. Part of the practice is to notice this and to practice self-kindness. So we all fail, but we have the capacity to strengthen our ability to be present. And that's why we repeat step two, focus your attention. And you continue until your timer goes off. right, so just be diligent, be compassionate with yourself. All right, so we could end there, three steps, but I want to add a final step. And the final step is step four, to honor yourself for practicing. And as you have now noticed, probably, it's hard. It's really, really hard to be fully present. You probably notice that your mind and your attention are not fully under your control, That's great. High five. That's a wonderful realization, which can give you lots of compassion for how others struggle too. It can lessen your tendency to judge. So honor yourself for practicing. Pat yourself on the back. Honor yourself for choosing to practice to be presence instead of distraction. Know that what you practice grows stronger so that this, this session has strengthened your ability to be present in every area of your life. So that was step one, set the intention to be present. Remember, on purpose. Step two, focus your attention. Step three, notice your distraction and just return back your attention. And step four, honor yourself for practicing. So you can make this a five or 10 minute daily practice and it will strengthen your relationship with your child. It will increase your well-being, lower anxiety, depression, And what's cool about a mindfulness practice is that we can bring it into our daily life. Like, just like we said, we can bring it, doing it with our child, but we can also do it with the dishes, et cetera. And there's some some ways to practice, you know, bringing it, bringing it into your, into your daily life. So I want to share a few ways that I really love to bring it into your daily life. I first, I think it's so important to, to kind of think about like our morning time, And this is where I want to share a little of my morning routine. You know, how often have you kind of just rushed out the door and into your day without even thinking about how you would like things to go? And then before you know it, something has like rubbed you the wrong way and you're reactive and you're frustrated or impatient, whatever. You didn't intend that, but that's what happens. And we can kind of get in patterns like that. But if we can start the day with an intention, if we can pause... It can make all the difference in the world. And pausing to practice mindfulness for just a few minutes at a few different times of the day can really help your days be better and more in line of like how you really want them to be. So I just have three daily practices for bringing more mindfulness into your daily life. So the first is the mindful wake up to start with purpose. And, you know, that intention is intention. It's really that underlying motivation for everything we think, we say, we do, right? We want to give that that unconscious brain, which is in charge of a lot of our decision-making, 
a, a practice to align your conscious thinking with that like primal emotional drive and lower centers, right? So we want to have some, some real intention to guide all of our body, mind, and spirit, right? So setting an intention and keeping those intentions in mind can really strengthen the connection between all of the brain, right? And this can really change your day by making it more likely that your words, your actions, and your responses, especially during the difficult moments, will be more mindful and compassionate. And this is, of course, best done first thing in the morning before checking phones, before checking email, just you know, when you wake up, you can sit on your bed or in a relaxed posture, you know, close your eyes, connect to the sensations of your body, take a deep breath, take a few deep breaths, you know, feel your breath coming in and out. And just then ask yourself, what is my intention for today? And you can ask yourself some of these questions like, how do I want to show up to have today, right? What qualities do I want to strengthen today? You can say them out louder internally. May I be peaceful today? May I be grounded today? May I, may I live with more ease today? You know, what do I need to take better care of myself? How can I feel more connected and fulfilled, right? So ask yourself some of those questions. You can write them down if you like. And then set that intention for the day. Like, so today I will be kind to myself. I will be patient with other, my kids. I'm going to stay grounded, have fun, and eat well. Anything else that's important, anything that feels important to you. And then throughout the day, just check in with yourself. Pause, take a breath, and revisit your intention. And notice as you become more conscious of your intentions each day, you're going to see that the quality of your communications, your relationships, and your moods really shift. So you can do this mindful wake-up. The second practice I want to offer you is mindful eating. It's really, really beautiful. The normal way we eat, right? It's eat, We just like bite, chew, swallow. We're not even aware of it. But it actually can be really, really pleasurable. And eating mindfully can turn eating into a really rich experience. It satisfies, you know, our nutrition and all of our body. And it's very nourishing. So just try this. You can breathe before eating. Take a deep breath. Pause listen to your body, right? You know, check how hungry you are, what physical sensations tell you that you're hungry, be curious about them, and then eat according to your hunger, right? Like just notice, you know, slow down your eating, be, just be notice how it feels to really be there in the present moment with your food. Try to maybe take a break and deep breathe deeply, savoring what you you're eating and then if you don't love it don't eat it take your three bites first three bites mindfully experience the taste the flavors the textures and then make a mindful choice about what to eat based on what you really are enjoying and then finally i want to just offer you this final practice which is the mindful pause so you know just taking this moment to slow down and and shifting to slow the brain down and, and to shift into being more intentional and just gaining control of our kind of fast moving brain right some ways to do that are to kind of like make trip over what you want to do you know if you've if you've set the intention to to do some yoga or to meditate 
put your yoga mat or your meditation cushion or chair right in the middle of your floor so you can't miss it as you walk by. And then, you know, also you want to refresh your triggers regularly, right? So say you decide to use some sticky notes to remind yourself of your new intention. That might work for about a week, but then you're you have to write new notes to yourself. So add ver- variety, make them funny, you know, change it up. You have to refresh them regularly. And then just start to, you know, shift, shift new patterns to if the phone rings, just take a big deep breath. You know, when you sit down to the computer, take a deep breath. When you sit on the floor with your child, put your phone somewhere else, right? These are all like great habits to kind of cultivate, which we could talk a lot, a lot more about, but this has been a long podcast. So we have talked about how to, how you know, this lowering our reactivity, how mindfulness really, really helps us with impulse control over time. And then how do we do it? So how we set the intention to be present, how we step two, focus our attention, step three, notice your distraction and come back. And then step four, honor yourself for practicing. And we talked about, you know, how to bring it into your daily life with the mindful wake up, with mindful eating, and then the mindful pause. So all of this is incredible to help us become more present and less reactive. But also, I just want to end with this, how becoming more present will actually make you happier. There's this Harvard researcher, Matt Killingsworth, he created an app, an attempt to answer the question, like kind of what makes us happy, what and certain for all. And the results have been really eye-opening. According to his data, we're happiest when we're mindful in the moment and we're least happy when our mind is wandering. So this study took a huge sampling of 15,000 individuals. It was diverse, included people across the socioeconomic stratosphere, varying levels of education, age, occupation, income, and across 80 countries. And the premise was really simple. Throughout the day, at random times, participants were contacted through their phones and asked to rate their current happiness level, what activity they were involved in when the call came, and whether or not their mind was wandering from the activity. As it turned out, what made people happy had far less to do with what they were doing and significantly more to do with whether their attention was fully present in the moment. And so you know, mindfulness meditation is the best way to strengthen your presence muscle and to lower your reactivity. And it has the, it it will make you happier, right? Just to be more present, bring that into your daily life. And then beyond all that, far more than, than toys or lessons or whatever, your child needs you, you know, the authentic you underneath all of the stress and reactivity with less tension, with more presence and ease, and your ability to be fully present more and more will naturally start to soothe your child, helping them feel seen, heard, and accepted. And my teacher, the Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh, who author of so many incredible books about mindfulness, um, he's, he says this so beautifully, and it's a quote that really drives me and lifts m- with me. And he says that when you love someone, the best thing you can offer is your presence. How can you love if you are not there? And I think that how can you love if you are not there, right? That deserves a pause. You know, being less reactive will make us better parents for sure. So that is reason enough 
to practice mindfulness, but to be there, right? To really be there. Like we just get this one amazing life. I mean, I don't know, maybe you believe something else, but I believe that we just get this one amazing life. We're here, we're conscious. It's a crazy miracle that we're alive and conscious. And it's it's not, you know, going to last forever. Our children aren't going to last forever. We're all changing and growing. They're not going to be children for long. They may not live with us, right? I'm my daughter's 13 now. I'm like, oh wow, she could like be gone from my house. Like it's crazy. So we want to be there when they're here. I mean, it's kids are super annoying and frustrating. They drive you crazy and all that stuff. But we want to be there, right? We want to be there for those moments that are the magic of those quiet, wonderful magic moments. So that's the reason to practice. So go to mindfulmamamentor.com on the resources page to get a guided meditation, get started with your practice. Tag me and let me know when you're practicing and what your takeaway is from this episode. I hope you've appreciated this episode. I hope it's helped you in some way. You know, this practice has been the single most impactful life-changing thing in in my life. It has changed everything in my life. And I'm so, so grateful for my heart to be able to be present and to to not inflict the 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 damage that I used to inflict on my children through the work that we do in mindful parenting, right? All of these things. It's it's really, really powerful, can make a huge, huge difference. So anyway, if this episode has helped you, if it is, just tag me, let me know. I'm at Mindful Mama Mentor on Instagram, and you can find me on Facebook. And I am so grateful for you. Thank you so much for listening all the way here to the end. I'm, I, I really appreciate your ears and your presence, and I'm so glad we get to connect each week in this way. And I honor you for listening and for filling yourself up. If if you find it helpful, share it, share it with friends. And I wish you a week full of peace and joy and moments of true presence. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. I'd say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it? who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? 
Hi, I'm Hunter Clarkfields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside mindfulparentingcourse.com. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.